on the Spencer's the Pez, Goking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here's your host, ending his own writer's strike, Derek McCarr. There's something to that. Indeed. Now with that fresh citrus smell. smell. Oh, indeed. We've got the cleaning power of orange. Anyway, this is Derek McCall, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, here for the Fanboy Planet podcast on Wednesday, February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, and we're feeling pretty romantic. And how could I not be with my <laughs> with my group right here, my 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 man, my entourage, if your you will. motley crew, my motley crew, dude, to my left, eating an orange. I love a cutie. I'm Michael Goodson. Oh, a cutie, yeah. Uh, they're reading a toy fair. Are you talking about me? What are you? No, cutie. No, no Clementine. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Lon Lopez from MoronLife.com. Hello, everyone out there, my and- loyal listeners. And I dig a pick me on the <laughs> death Thank you. I was going for something. I, I don't know what Rick Brett Snyder. Uh, Moral Compass. Beatles references are us. Uh, engineer. Uh, you were there. Weren't you the fifth Beatle? we got a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, the writer's strike is out, which means that we get to talk about movies and television shows that we thought were never going to happen. And now they are. And they're back on. Some anyone anyone kind of sad to see that it's over? Uh, yeah. Just a little bit. I mean, come on. Haven't we all read a little more, spent a little more time? With our family, I'll tell you what I'm most uh, disappointed by. <laughs> I didn't catch up with nearly enough television uh, as I thought I was going to. Uh, but yeah, I've read a little more. I have. I, it's been nice. It's huh? been nice. It's been kind of cool. Uh, you know. But uh, Lon put the magazine I down. Think I, I, I initially thought Be I was here. really going to feel it at uh, Colbert and uh, Stewart, but their shows have been the, some of the most brilliant things they've ever done. They've done since. Yeah. But again, I watched all the the John, uh, Stephen, and uh, Conan crossover, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really funny, really clever. Okay, we'll be talking uh, somewhat about not necessarily those guys, but other shows we like, uh, movies, and of course comics. A lot of things happening in comics. Uh, first of all, as uh, weirdly, it's, it feels like we do this. It's been happening a little too much. We have a giant, a legend in the comic book industry, fell this week, uh, passed away at age sixty. Steve Gerber, because Steve Gerber was story editor and responsible for most of the animated series GI Joe and Transformers. Oh damn! He's got and he had good baby food. And he had good baby food. Okay. And he created with. Uh, they keep saying he's the creator, but I know that Jack Kirby had a lot to do with it. Thundar the Barbarian, which was considered <gasps> oh, one of the best love that uh, adventure action fantasy series of the 80s. Um, and it started, and this is just funny because, of course, you pulled out Hula Hula. Steve Gerber's uh, forays into animation began when he sold an episode of the Plastic Man animated series. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, most recently, he has been writing Countdown to Mystery, uh, Dr. Fate, the, the relaunch of Dr. Fate in Countdown to Mystery. So he's been still very vital in the uh, comics industry. But, of course, Rick and I, the old men of the podcast, knew him and loved him and had our minds totally blown by him in the 70s. because Omega the Unknown. Omega the Unknown, uh, currently undergoing revival with... Uh, what, oh, now I can think of the guy's name. Uh, this Jonathan Lethem, a novelist, and the art by Farrell Dalrymple. And uh, then they just had the Howard the Duck revival. And right. as, as many tributes online have pointed this out, these revivals have only proved that Steve Gerber knew how to write these characters and these other guys, and nobody does. Nobody else knows how to write because the big one is you know, Howard the Duck, which went out a Man-Thing. Yes, Steve Gerber was yep. the writer of Giant Size Man-Thing. Yeah, yep. and Goodson didn't even even snicker at that. He's so over that joke. Uh, I was I was waiting to go back to Durrell, Farrell Dalrymple. <laughs> Wait, I can't even say it tonight. Farrell, Farrell, that's a pseudonym if I've ever heard. Uh, of All jokes were on pause until I made that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I got it. Don't forget that name while he's talking. Come on, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Oh God! But apparently, Steve Gerber, um, as I I wrote on, on, I was the, actually the first creator that I uh, wrote to. Via email, 
when I just when I we first got the internet at work and I was reading an article about his legal battles. Steve Gerber sued Marvel for ownership rights, creators rights for, for Howard, Howard the Duck uh, before anyone else thought that this was something that could be sued. He lost. Created Destroyer Duck. Created Destroyer Duck to kind of make up for that and right. and the Destroyer Duck came from Eclipse Comics, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and the, all the proceeds that went to pay for his legal fees because he was beaten very badly, but it was he was the first to really kind of take that public that if you are if you create a character so personal, and in years since most of the creators that have had that fight have won, so he really broke ground even though it didn't end well for him. But he uh, died in Las Vegas Sunday night. Uh, also known for the Defenders run. Yes, and my favorite foreshadowing event in all of comics history, the dwarf with a gun. Did that ever actually resolve? Yes, it does. They, for for week upon week, or they would have this a scene with a dwarf going through the forest, you're going sneaking around a building, and you knew this is somebody who's going to show up sooner or later. And the last time you saw him, he got run over by a car. It's just like he pops his head out and he gets hit by a car, and that was it. So never actually met <laughs> no. the defenders. No, <laughs> he didn't. But well, what a great running joke. It kind of is for Superhead, like, and that's the payoff. I mean, you think about that. You go for the origin of the, or the original appearance of, of Howard the Duck, this logical in the pages of man thing. You've got this muck monster. You've got the nexus of all realities. But Howard was just in that in that book. He was kind of like a walk on. Like, yeah. here's a weird thing that popped. And out the of a, of out of the swamp comes a duck with a cigar. Yeah. And uh, then it becomes a huge cult favorite in the seventies. Forget was about he the, the movie. first cartoon character with a cigar. Or were there others before that? No, there's plenty. There uh, plenty. Okay. There's just none you'll be able to see now because, like, Disney has sort of actually gone back and erased mm. or, or re-edited so that Scrooge you don't McDuck see. Scrooge McDuck had a cigar. Scrooge did. Ah, okay. I mean, because, and, and Disney had a case there. I mean, this Yosemite Sam, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure Probably, he did. yeah. Well, how else would his biscuits be burning? True. Because bugs lit them on fire. Sure, with Many a cigar. Times. But we should be talking about Steve Gerber and not Bugs Bunny. Uh, he, he passed away Sunday night. Complications due to uh, how this is pulmonary pulmonary fibrosis, fibrosis, which basically meant his lungs were uh, turning into wood, hmm. and so hmm. we uh, marked the passing. And I I don't know, still don't know. Nobody said at DC if the Doctor Fate's miniseries if he was done working on it, because apparently as early as late as a week ago he was mentioning on his blog that he was up late working on a script for it. So I don't know where that was going. But, but you really have to admire the guy, the the Howard the Dun- Duck run as a series of character-driven parodies of comics and of movies and and social commentary there wasn't anything like like that in comics prior to howard really i don't think no he was very much like an underground comic if anything it was like suddenly the underground con you know mindset invaded mainstream marvel and it's also uh, important, it's a, oddly a, a, an important run because it was the first comic book appearance of Kiss a full yep. month before they had their Marvel Super Special, which Steve Gerber wrote, created the mythos for the 70s. of. of but yeah, so we don't know what's going on with Dr. Fate, but it is all tying in. We can actually tie this, roll this into Smoothly Comics uh, because Dan DiDio announced uh, last week at the, at they had a retailers conference for DC you know, the, all the things are tying into Final Crisis. There's a new Rand Thanagar War. There's a battle in hell. Uh, really? Because, because Another Neron, Rand Thanagar because, War? Because Neron's <laughs> trapped in uh, Dr. Fate's Tower in Salem. Yeah. And so all the minor demons will be fighting for that. Um, the Rand Thanagar War is, is, is continuing basically what's been going on in Countdown to Adventure with Adam Strange, Animal Man, and Starfire with Lady Styx. There's a, a worship of that goddess who worships death, or who is death. Basically sort of creating the Infinity Gauntlet in the DC Universe, I think, is really where we're going. We'll have a mad god Thanos in no time. I don't like the rand Thanagar war because the Rand guys have the jetpacks, and the Thangarians have their wings. So everyone's flying around, right? Instead of being in spaceships where they can blow everybody else up, they're all flying with hand weapons. Dumb. Dumb way to have a war. Not a lot of ground wars. Not a lot of Grand Thanagar people. Just not efficient. A lot of air combat. A lot of air combat. Like like when you and I play Hero Clicks and you understand the powers and I don't, that's pretty much how I see that war going. And, you know, oh, but I'll throw a dumpster down on one of them. I swear. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Small victory. Small victory. It's all I can take. 
so it's, it's I don't know. Have you been reading the Countdown to Mystery? No, that, I'm way behind on that one. Establishing uh, a pile that thick of those. 52 you, backup thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I think the Gerber's work right now. The Doctor Fate is probably going to read best if you, as you have, wait, wait and do it in in one sitting, the month after month, to follow what Goodson prefers. And by the way, after Countdown, you are going to get a weekly series that you may want to read. Trinity. Why? Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Kurt Busiek writing. Oh, and they're finally going to do that. They don't. Book. They don't die during Final Crisis. Uh, apparently, that was Nick. Spoiler. That was uh, that has that was uh, Batman's not going to ascend to be a new that guy. was nixed by uh, Warner Brothers, who uh. said we have this film franchise we're trying to launch. <laughs> it's like Batman <laughs> we three Godhood. It. We would appreciate it if you not kill off the characters before we get a chance to. Uh, yeah. Realize you know. Cop out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Superman's going to make a deal with Mephisto, and uh, no! the Lois Lane marriage will be, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, so will be a title called Wreck on This. Anyway, Kurt Buschek and Mark Bagley is going to be the artist on Trinity, uh, because he's proven on his Ultimate Spider-Man run, he can actually keep a schedule that's more than a month, and they're giving, it's like a, I think it's a 25-page book, so 17 pages main story and then they'll have rotating backups with other characters in the dcu that's actually pretty cool because the one book that i the one follow-up book that i was reading was the apocalypse one and that is the trilogy that i the trinity that is superman batman and wonder woman fighting the uh the black adam uh, oh the four horsemen four of the apocalypse horsemen, yeah. oh that one yeah okay yeah, so and, and everybody's always said why don't you do a batman superman wonder woman book sure so, why yeah. not i mean it should be you know i'll, I'll certainly give it a look yeah um, you know, and and we know that the weekly does work if it's done well. As Countdown took way too long to to become. Um, over on the well, I still say DC has also launched uh, a kids line starting today, Tiny Titans. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to do it, but this was something that Jan Jan Jones. I know we got to make that joke. She sounds like she's a, a Martian. Jan Jones uh, at DC promised last year at WonderCon. It's taken them almost a full year to get this children's line going, but she's been pushing very hard. And so they they're starting with Tiny Titans this week. There's going to be a new Shazam book, uh, Billy Batson: The Power of Shazam. By Mike Kunkel, who so did we'll Hero Bear third, and the Kid. Third Shazam continuity. No, apparently it's supposed to be following in what Jeff Smith did with the Monster Society of Evil. Oh, okay. Uh, so Monster I'm cranky Society of Evil. Like Monster Society of Evil doing that continuity. I can't remember what the third book is, but uh, it'll be cool, I'm sure. So, Batman? It's not about, yeah, totally. Batman for kids, you know? Somebody's got to do that. <clears throat> Nothing scares creepy guys more than bats. Batman, than bats, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, you might want to sit on that side. Robbers are a superstitious and yeah. cowardly yeah. lot. Bullies are a Bullies are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Uh, so, anyway. School is a hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Young Obi-Wan. Batman. You know that eventually somebody's going to the young Batman, you know. A hundred years from now, you can tell that story. You know, sure. Warner Brothers gives up the rights to it. Uh, over, on, over on the Marvel side of things, of course. We have a secret invasion that's turning everything upside down. You're Golly, is it? Scrawly, sir. All scrawly. All I can say this week is everything we thought about the Captain Marvel series is wrong. And uh, Catch me up, dude. Well, they, they said that Captain Marvel was had fallen through a wormhole sometime before he died of cancer 10 years Didn't ago. Didn't they show it in flashbacks? Yeah, they showed it in flashbacks. He came forward. But this was his story. Right. This is what he said was happening. But the comic rule is if you tell a story in flashbacks, it's got it can't be a lie. Because you're, you're sure you're, really? you're sworn. I don't know. If there's I, a I code. Think, I think I've had flashbacks to things that didn't happen. Really? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Haven't you? You can't flash back to a lie. You talking about me personally? Or yeah, I'm saying I've I've <laughs> you've made up lies and then later flashed back to them. <laughs> <laughs> I've flashed back to being able to fly, and I know I know that couldn't have been. Uh, no. Anyway. Well, you're real. This is the comic book rule. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> and so the comic book rule is far more <laughs> realistic. Anyway, uh, so he uh, had fallen into this wormhole. He was briefly made the warden of the Negative Zone prison in uh, during Civil War. And Which now they he, absolutely did nothing with. They absolutely no, did nothing like with. Panels. Except the Negative Zone prison is still there. Somebody else is warden. But then, you know, like yeah, Tony Stark said, well, it was a ceremonial thing. Because uh, they didn't know what to do with him. They were trying to keep him out of the action right. because, of course, the plot line has been or the established premise was that if Captain Marvel dies now, if he does something to endanger himself, then he'll completely throw the time-space continuum off because he has to get back in time to r- resume his place in the timeline 
and so then die of cancer. So why is trying to put him back in time? That's an interesting question. Where's Scott Bakula when you need him? And now, the, where's Doctor Doom's or time Marty McFly? Uh, but the uh, thing that they've also been done in, doing in this series, they've set up that there's suddenly a worship of there's a religion right. coming up about at Marvel. Which finally, this issue, somebody makes the point: heroes come back from the dead all the time. Yeah. Why is this one worth a religion? And so all we can say is what's going on in the Marvel Universe? Cuckoo. A Skrull invasion. So we know that. And this is tied a lot more directly. In. Okay, that, this issue just went to the top of my read pile. Basically, Marvel, I think Marvel lied to us in a good way. Like, okay. like years ago when they launched the Thunderbolts and they put out all this press stuff lying about who they were so that you'd have that surprise at the end right. of the first issue. I, I, if that's the truth, if Marvel's totally, th- you know, misdirected us, they really us, set us up. If they set us up. I, I would be so thrilled. Until instead of retconning in something we'll accept, yes. versus the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've been set up, and which, as uh, earlier you said, this may be why, why Brian Michael Bendis brought thought Black balloons, balloons back into into his books because you can own. This is like the flashback has got to exactly. be true. If exactly. they thought it. It must be the truth, unless they were real sleeper agents who had false memories and get triggered. Well, and there's and there's I a, can write my way around that. You can see, and that, and that's kind of being implied here yeah. is that, and and what's made people question it in the book is that Captain Marvel has fought a couple of villains that that Shield went. Wait a minute, that guy was dead. Yeah, and then they, well, the guy in the negative zone prison now isn't the real whichever villain, like minor villain that I can remember who the heck it was. But, you know, they said at a certain because the scrolls are sleeper agents both in the hero side and, and on the, the villain, villain side. side. So they could be anyone. They could they could be you. I'm gonna go get some chicken. <laughs> All right. Scrolls Fair like enough. Chi- scrolls like chicken. Hmm. An unofficial relaunch. Mark Miller and Brian Hitch, the creative team on the Ultimates that I've heard of them. Michael liked so much. Uh, became the creative team on Fantastic Four Fantastic. as of today. Yeah, it's okay. It's not fantastic. But we're looking at the book, and it looks a little too much like the ultimate Fantastic Four, right down to, like, costume designs and panels. Great. Another costume I have to buy in Marvel Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate Alliance. Oh. Oh, They look like, now that's an ultimate crossover. I love the way you go right to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's are you playing that game? Doggone good game. Finish it. Just the other day. No, well, There you go. But, but did you save Nightcrawler, though? No, I saved Jean Grey. Oh. See, I think I did, too. That's what I would do. I think we all did, and then there was still some something went bad. Well, something went horribly wrong if you didn't save Nightcrawler. Oh, Mystique went crazy and killed Charles Xavier. That's right. Which she's done three or four times in the book, so it really doesn't matter. Mm. Like, I, think she, I think she's responsible in Wolverine right now uh, for uh, the Wolverine's chasing... Mystique down, I think, because she's somehow tied into this head wound for Charles Xavier. Where she kills Sinister Reddit. at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, where was it? So, the Fantastic Four relaunch is like every time they get a new creative team, the new team has to establish, do a, a day in the life issue. So, it's like it actually grinds everything to halt. No real plots going forward as they just go, look, they're the Fantastic Four. Well, we mentioned Four. that with the Avengers last week. I mean, the, the fact that you did one of those every now and then where they're just hanging out. And yeah, but it's, I just find that's it always... the first issue of every trade now. Yeah, basically is, here they are. And I think it's in, uh, yeah. the other problem I have with Brian Hitch's art is he draws the thing like he's a really skinny guy with rocks on his skin. Hmm. Like, like he's been, he's not just been working out. He's, he's doing some slim fast. He's really, you know, he's getting <laughs> svelte. Um, and then it begged us, you know, and maybe I shouldn't ask this question because Rick will only edit it out, but he picks up on a woman in an elementary school. He goes in to speak to Franklin's uh, elementary school, and uh, and then he, he says, who wants to ride in a Fantastic car? And he has all these kids, and he's picking them up in the Fantastic car. And this one teacher says, because they're all going to hit on Reed Richards, but he turn, turns out to be boring. Uh, he's lecturing to these seven-year-olds about you know physics and things that they could care less about. And uh, this teacher's going, huh, so you're really good with kids. kids. Is that the only thing you do well? And he says, you should see how I make a Spanish omelet after a wild night of lovemaking. What? <laughs> and, uh, he does not say that. He does. <laughs> you wanna, take it out, baby. Look at that. He says it. And she goes, well, that's a pretty bold thing to say. And he goes, pick you up about eight. <laughs> and so I guess Alicia's wow, that's, not. That's, in that's Mark I'm not Miller. That out. <laughs> but, 
But the problem is, it's like which I've never, I've always just accepted the Alicia Masters relationship. And it's like when you say, "That's gotta hurt." That's got. <laughs> if what's left in to this podcast is my question: How do the sexual mechanics of the thing work? Apparently, very well. Would someone I'm please get some chicken? Would someone? No, awkward transition. Someone please write in and explain to this to me. Because it really bothers me. Apparently it does. I have never given it any thought. And now you will. Now I, I guess I'm doomed to. So, I mean, you know, I, I figured Ben Grimm had to have had, a, had good lines when he was Ben Grimm. But he's the thing. Now he's just this big rock. I smell an uncut podcast. <laughs> I smell the director's cut Fantastic Four that I want to buy. <laughs> there are certain women. No, don't. <laughs> Jeez. It's like a game of Tetris. <laughs> we were fine until then. No. Our younger audience members have no idea what we're talking you about. You did just name the podcast, by the way. <laughs> it's like a game of Tetris. <laughs> I'm going to get some shit. No, don't. Um, because we're gonna move. You're gonna keep laughing for like five. Well, we've we've lost long. Let's let's move on to a. Um, let's move on, shall, shall we? we? To X Men and the relaunch X Men divided. You finally finished Messiah Complex. I did. You're the only one who's actually read it. Oh, I read it almost ahead. on all in one sitting. Break it down for me, Rick. I don't understand anything he said about the whole Marvel thing. So okay, so give me the, a plot I can comprehend. The oh, basic please. plot of uh, Messiah Complex uh, at the end of House of House M. Of M uh, we had a diminished number of mutants in the universe, and we have had no mutant births since then. And gotcha. all of a sudden, Cerebro, or Cerebra, 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 the female version, all of a sudden detects a new mutant. And it's a mutant that is not only previously unfound, but it's a birth. It's not a mutant that changed at adolescence. Hmm. And it's so powerful, it fries the system. So the X-Men scramble to go find it, but at the same time you've got the Reavers and the Purifiers both going after it as well. Cable gets there first, gets the baby, and he's on the run. He's got various uh, – this is one of the things that bugged the hell out of me about the story is they can't keep the costume straight between issues. They can't keep the, the uh, end of one issue with the beginning of the next issue straight. The artist changes and it's well, crazy. you so, know, if I can make a complaint – I mean that's been – also in um, the New Warriors, which is the new New Warriors, are all the depowered mutants from Grant Morrison's run. Yeah, and like Beak, they established that he was still like had this big nose and everything. No member of this New Warriors team who had a very clear personality and even in some cases skin color, uh, they've all been homogenized into nondescript white people, and they're all good looking. And, I mean, like Beak. I mean, again. Image know, inducers. Beak was like this really skinny guy with this big nose. And he was still in love. You know, he was still married to that really hot angel yeah. uh, who was Latina. And she just became, and they all just became white. And, you know, he's tall suddenly. He was originally short. You know, I mean, Does he still have a beak? No. Oh. All right, finish. Go ahead. So, Roll like, tape. Cable's got this. Cable's got a harness to carry the baby. It's made out of metal. It's a cloth thing in the next issue. It's just crazy. What's that, a Bjorn? Yeah. He's got a Bjorn. Okay. A, uh, so, uh, not that, Baby that Bjorn. it's it's not that that Baby made the, the story Bjorn. horrible, but it really pointed out the fact that there was no editing continuity between the books. There was nobody really trying to make these feel like a book, a single story that's being collected. It's almost like various books' interpretation of the story, like books of the Bible, like. <laughs> the, the Messiah complex, according to Mark, you know, it's slightly <laughs> different than what James and uh, sure, sure. Huh. Anyway, so a lot of the X Files episode about that, by the way. So the last word, lo, the last lines of dialogue are different in each one. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the do you the, know why that happens? Because because Marvel doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about the fans. It just wants to sell books. Damn, lifelong Marvel fan, there, everybody. I think it's a, it's Mama. a basic. Problem. Well, we can ask them next week when they show up at WonderCon. Oh, they're not going to be there. They never are. Okay. But uh, it is one of those problems with the X-Men crossovers because they, they try and keep the individual issues within the continuity of the book that is, you know, like the young, the new mutants versus the uncanny X-Men versus the X-Force. Um, 
Those are the Muppet Babies. Yeah. X-Factor, yeah. When all is said and done at the end of it, we've got Cable heading off into the future with the baby, which, what, 13 issues build up to that? You know, it's like, okay, Xavier lying supposedly shot in the head with everyone standing around not offering him life support or any kind of first aid. He's lying there on the floor, looks pretty dead to me. And you've got people all of a sudden, this is going. This is the reason the X-Men are going to break up. That there will be no more X-Men because the dream ends with Xavier. Uncanny X-Men, the next issue. Yay! Even though that was sort of the plot of uh, X-Men, uh, Uncanny X-Men number 200, in which Magneto took over the X-Men because Charles was shot, was unable to live in the Earth's atmosphere, and the Shi'ar took him away right. and said... And he's, he begged Eric, don't let my dream die. Yeah. So, on. Holy. Can you feel the Zorlag? No, I'm sorry. No. I, I've, I've upset myself with this, all right? <laughs> no, but we've read this story before numerous times. That's why it's like Messiah Complex. But now I want Who chicken. cares? But I'm so I'm a little pissed off about the whole Xavier thing because they really try and make a poignant ending for this book with Xavier on the floor. Now, we've had Captain America die recently. And so we're we're setting up a Marvel where, hey, maybe death could be permanent or at least permanent for a while. Well, well I'm we, hoping he's dead. Yeah. We have X-Men Legacy 208, which follows the, the last X-Men 207. And if you look at it, it says, what becomes of the world's most powerful telepath after his mind has been shattered by a bullet? So apparently, not dead, maybe... They just blew his mind. Diminished... Capacity? What if he's really Forbush Man? Maybe it's not. Maybe he's not the world's most powerful telepath. Or maybe. Maybe. You know, another time he died? In a world where Xavier is not the world's most, most powerful, powerful telepath. telepath. Rain Xavier. One man. What? Anyway, yes, go ahead. What, another time? X3. He X- died in that. Yeah, but he wasn't. Sh- I'm just saying he dies all the time. He Why does. do we care? It does. I don't. Okay. I don't. I mean, I didn't read it. Um, I read some of the things that they, you know, they like Wolverine's got a new start with uh, Ron Garney doing the art as Wolverine's chasing Mystique. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a Logan miniseries. How come coming? they can kill Professor X like 50 times over, but they can't let Aunt May die? Well, she's an icon. Well, because oh, okay. Xavier keeps coming back, I really don't. I, I, they're yeah, apples and apples. There, I baby. don't think you're going to find Aunt May transferring her consciousness into a nearby. No, Android but you'll just find oh, well, the no, devil that, come I'll over. I'll take that back. Aunt May did die, and it turned out she was an actress brainwashed into thinking she was Aunt May, and the actress died while Aunt May was actually kidnapped by Norman Osborn. Hey, I babe. read those issues. <laughs> yeah, baby. Woo! <laughs> Get me I knew therapy. that whole plot line. Or get me chicken. That's where you came in. That's where I started. And what's odd is that you kept reading after that. Oh, awful. <laughs> you had, I didn't know any better. You had a chance to get away. We don't. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the final review, uh, X-Men Messiah, about six to seven issues. Too long for what it was. Yeah, so I have a list here of X, uh, X-Force, X-Factor, X-Men, X-Interested is yeah. how I feel about yeah. that. So... I, I maybe went one too far for the rule of three, but I think the point was made. Uh, they're doing a relaunch, a renumbering of Iron Man after we just – I think you and I have both been raving for a few weeks. Joe how to listens to the fans and says, what, they're enjoying that? Screw them. Yeah. Uh, we said – They don't uh, care about you. We said Iron Man, director of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D., was actually like a really good uh, – it's been a fun book for the last six issues. It's been a fun book, really so. good, totally into it, and they're going to relaunch it as Invincible Iron Man number one, just in time for the movie. Of course. Uh, because, again, I would like to see the focus group or, or the marketing study that proves that the appearance of a movie has any relation to the sales of the book. I yeah. just don't think they're there. I don't know that... I because we just get crap every time a movie comes out. Why don't they just bring out a and new book? And you keep buying it. I don't. Oh, just bring out a new book. Call it the Invisible. Leave the Iron Man Director of Shield storyline. Let it run. Or just put Rob fine. Liefeld on the movie adaptations. I won't feel so bad because then so I, there's you, no temptation to, to read so the What you're saying is uh, leave Iron Man alone. Yeah, yeah that's it. Well, so, they've had the Iron Man Mandarin miniseries going for the last couple of months. 
Yeah, you know, it's like having the Marvel Adventures. I'm happy with the version that the kids can read, although I don't know necessarily, you know, how the very youngest would, would go with it. But, you know, and nobody has a problem keeping them straight, so let's just... Actually, the Iron Man Ultimate series looks like it's going to be closer to what the movie would be like anyway. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. Um, so let's do we want to let's transition by talking next week we have WonderCon which will cover comics and movies turning into as Lon pointed out it's like little mini comic con dude I was impressed with the lineup this year La- last year's like let's say uh, what do they call it like ancillary programming that they have who was that guy you were so pissed off that he wouldn't give you an interview and he went back and bought his book oh Brian Posehn oh, Brian Posehn yeah yeah we've interviewed him yeah we did. Long ago, so, so um, and long interviewed him too. Yeah. yeah, but I had to pay for it. No, but last year I wasn't too impressed with what they had brought to to WonderCon. It just feels like this year they're kind of amping it up a little bit, and it feels like it's a little more like Comic Con. It feels like Comic Con in San Francisco, but it's had that sense that it's been growing for a while. I mean, certainly yeah. since I started going a couple of years ago, it's gotten bigger and bigger. And the you're right, the ancillary, the, the sort of presentations have always mm-hmm. been lame. Well, Compared yeah. to Comic Con, but it's, it's always been about the dealer room or who was kind right. of out at the outside. Tables. But what's interesting well, I mean, about a couple years ago, we had Brian Singer and Brandon Routh, right? And, and it started good. to build. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they've always like they had. Didn't they have Christian Bale one year, and Christian then they Bale had uh, made his Toby Maguire, and then? But that was when they were on the other side when it was a lot bigger. They, they had, had more that space. Great presentation of the guys who did the water effects and surfs up. Don't talk about that anymore. No, that hurts <laughs> me still. However, and then it's after that movie. <laughs> what uh, what it, what's making this more like Comic Con is there are a lot of presentations that have nothing to do with comics. It's more Hollywood. Yeah. Like they're doing a Harold and Kumar presentation. Come on, but we love Harold. And we Kumar, do, but so I'm we, just saying though that's what Comic Con is I turning do think into. It's the, the, and the guest they're bringing for that does have the Comic Con tie-in of it's John Cho who's playing Sulu in Star sure, Trek. Sure, but I'm just saying he's not promoting that movie. And Cal Penn was in Superman Returns, so I'm really seeing a tie-in. Oh, wow. Okay, you're stretching there. I but, but then, of but course... you have the same complaint that all the San Jose or the San Diego Comic Con people have, that it's become too Hollywoodized. And I think if you t- forced Hollywood out and it was just comics, it'd be nice for comics, but where would we go to see all those big blockbuster if premieres? You, if you forced them out, it would be SuperCon. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about forcing show. them out. My point was yeah. it's turning into more of a Comic-Con because they're bringing in a lot of Hollywood stuff and not Hollywood comic-based stuff. So the stuff. irony here is that it's turning more into a Comic-Con, which means fewer comics. There is an irony to that, perhaps. Maybe. People An that, irony, but I welcome that irony. But people, that, I think it's good for the. I think it's good for the for business. I but mean, people that went more to Comic Con in the first, you know, like the old timers or the San Diego show, as they as the old timers say, those guys say no. Like the Frank Capra revival that happened was because Frank Capra. What the hell does he have to do with comics? Before he died, was invited to Comic Con. It has always been. It's sort of this been misinterpretation. It's just that Hollywood's better at hype. And and Hollywood catches the mainstream attention as an advertising thing, but Comic Con has always been something that drew people's uh, that drew movies. Attention and now to. with the internet, I mean, it's because, out of control. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, let's say, a comic book reader that isn't a geek about something else as well. Sure, I'm not sure. just a comic book geek. Well, I'm not <laughs> complaining. I was I was just I, trying to make know, a point. It yeah, just it's becoming more like Comic Con. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm porn geek too. <laughs> Great. No, but just how real, does he? <laughs> just real fast though. Anything like else we're, Tetris. we're excited uh, about well, for WonderCon? I'm, I'm pretty excited because the new frontier. Uh, you know, I'm going to confess there's on. You know, they've been feeding me interviews, which has been fantastic. I, I had to lift a finger just re, just you know reformat. But I mean, we got to talk to you know we got to. But apparently, only two or three sites are using these. Kyle McLaughlin. I got Brooke Shields up today because she's Carol Ferris in. Uh, in the new frontier, so they've really been pushing. I, w- I was wondering how you got to interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they just wow. said they sent it to me and said, "Here's some pictures. You want to run it?" Yeah. The second I sell my <laughs> share, he's interviewing Miss <laughs> Brooks Shields. <laughs> hmm. Then next week, they just said, "You know, maybe we'll have a chance to sit down with Darwin Cook and Bruce Tim, and, and get maybe get them on the podcast. We may be able to get Brendan Fraser on the podcast, and that's kind of." For me, kind of cool because I like Brendan Fraser a lot. We may get John Cho on. You know, it's nice. Yeah, um, you well, know, so I'm well, excited let's about just this. Do thing. a quick preview. What, what are some of the cool things you remember showing up uh, programming wise? There's uh, uh, Brendan Fraser promoting what Journey into Center Journey of the Earth. Journey into the Earth 3D. Then John Cho will be there promoting Harold and Kumar. Go to uh, Guantanamo Bay. Bay. Yeah, he escaped, escaped from, from Guantanamo right. Bay. 
still favorite movie title of the year, and uh, and they're not um, and they're not mentioning Star Trek at all either. I mean, no. I'm sure you can ask the questions, but you know that's not what they're going to be talking Johnny about. Johnny Favreau will be there. Johnny Favs. Johnny Favs haven't uh, been contacted by his people yet, but you know we can hope so. It'll be a good. I, Iron Man. I MySpaced him, but you know what? I'm I haven't gonna, heard back from him. I'm going to bet that we're if, friends. I'm going to bet that if yeah uh, yeah I'm friends with him too. Uh, I'm going to bet that if Favreau's there, we're going to have an appearance from Downey. This fabric softener? Um. <laughs> Could you resist just once? Nice. Well, the way you put it, like you <laughs> had to use his, just his last name. Like it was so important. Downey? He is. He's We're going to have an appearance from Downey. Morton Downey Jr. He'll be coming up right. back from Thank the dead. You. RDJ. RDJ. Robbie. Anyway, so I'm excited about that. And the DC panels I've enjoyed attending. So I always look forward to that. You know and who's going to be there? Bounce. Jim Lee. Well, <laughs> Dan DiDio. Dan DiDio is going to be there. Uh, um, Jim, yeah, I you know who else is going to be there Chance that on. you're going to just have a geek-gasm over? Tell me. Kristen Bell is going to be there. Promoting that movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So forgetting or, Sarah Marshall. Or, Not talking about fanboys, um, which she's in. Yeah. And I really, so, so you're right. A bunch of you know people from geek movies promoting their non-geek movies. I think it's very nice, actually, now that I know what's going on. Mark Avanier is going to be interviewing Noelle Neal as a special panel. And I, I just like, in a way that, that I don't see, uh, well, I don't go to other conventions, I guess, that it's nice to be paying homage to her in a nice, in a formal way while you, you know, still got her because she's in her eighties. She was one of our first bumpers. One of our first bumpers. Um, <laughs> she's a nice lady, and it's it's nice to instead of just have her there, you know, because too often we see like, I, mean, I understand Ernie Hudson shows up there, Richard Hatch, <laughs> and they just sign their autographs, but there's not really like a a, a, a spotlight on them. And Noel Neal's been like in those in that autograph alley for years. To say, you know, that's the first Lois Lane. That's kind of you know, she's a link to a kind of a, a time in in geek history that it's nice to actually formally say, let's sit down and have people listen to her talk. So you're saying, like, in 20 years, we might be able to see Terry Hatcher there, maybe in one of those uh, autograph lanes. Uh, Ten years. Sweet. Yeah. Although, if you can get Richard Hatch, if you can see him in one of his uh, sessions, he's actually a very interesting person. Oh, no, he is very interesting. I, I, the first Comic-Con I went to, I, I, he was doing, when he was still pushing his trailer for Battlestar Galactica, trying to get the revival right. going, uh, I sat there going, oh, but this is going to be silly and pathetic. And I watched, and I sat there and I went, I want to see that. Yeah. I totally want to see that. And now he's pushing uh, the War of Magellan. The War great, of Magellan. Great, great War of Magellan, yeah. and, uh, which I think he's doing as a game. Uh, uh, no, it's a number of things. He's got yeah. a trailer for that. He's doing a role so playing game. So he's doing multimedia. And, yeah, and a comic so he's pretty savvy, you know. And yeah, he. Yeah. I, I like it when I go and think something's going to be a joke, and they blow me away, and I go, "Well, jokes on me." I love that. Um, things that the jokes going to be on me, or the jokes going to be on all of you. New Star Wars movie coming in August, huh? Yay! I'm I'll already see it. excited. I'll download it. You know, here's one of the things. Is it? Uh, yeah. Well, it'll be it'll be televised on. It's gonna be. It's like a Care Bears movie, really. Is it? It's, it'll be in the theaters in August and on Cartoon Network in September. Uh, to see what they can. Be, because otherwise, how is it suddenly like it's February and Lucas just said, "Hey, we're gonna put a new movie out." You know, ta-da! In I, five months. I am so sick of Lucas mining that time frame between movies, and because they're doing it in the comics, they do it in the books that come out i mean particularly the i want to see more stories about anakin before he changes to vader so they can foreshadow the change over and really, over again well, and that's been the, the whole flaw behind the thinking of the of that first trilogy or that second trilogy as it is is yeah you know it's yeah. going to end badly surprise there is nothing he can do to how about make- some more stories from the rest of the freaking universe like, huh? like do we the, have to follow this like one the family dark, the and dark their horse little legacy two book, droids can't the we? dark horse legacy book actually does something different being a hundred years in the future and luke's descendant yeah is a bounty hunter yeah show me that on tv now yeah, yeah. and and mark hamill uh, is making comic book appearances luke skywalker's ghost appears to his grandson saying what what are you doing and trying to get that's we don't know where that's going. That sounds yeah. like a wacky sitcom, though. Oh, sure. <laughs> Hamill his, could use work. it's like ghost, ghost, ghost granddad. I think. Jennifer <laughs> slept here. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, and, what are you doing? But the thing with the movie that's coming out is then, and the Anakin has a Padawan, 
What? Really? Was it you kill for- him and eat him before you, the Yeah, end of you the forgot series? to mention that in, in uh, Revenge Whoa. of the Sith? Wait, how can he have a Padawan if he never finished his training until the end? Oh! Lon! <laughs> you're applying far more story logic than Lucas ever did! That doesn't did. make sense. Anyway, uh, so that's bizarre. Um. Although I'll, I'll give him some uh, props on that, the the uh, the rendering stuff on that looks pretty good. Oh sure, it might yeah. be artistic, but, but you know what? You know what? I though? think the rendering on tripping the rift is good. But you know yeah, what though? It is. <laughs> did we? Especially the yeah. Don't go there. Don't outers. go there. It's, it's like we, a game of Tetris. Did we all see the original Clone Wars cartoons? Though? I saw some yes. of it. Yeah. I yes. will say this though: the the parts where all the clone troopers were fighting the droids and stuff. If it's just thirty minutes of that, I could really get into that. I thought well, that I don't stuff was pay cool. Ten bucks for it? No. You don't pay for movies anyway. You go to premieres. I pay occasionally. Uh, occasionally. Maybe. I mean, I'll pay for Speed Racer. Throw the industry a bone. <laughs> okay. Uh, a movie that Lon's going to pay for now because finally they made a good casting move. No, I'm yes, still you not. are. G.I. Joe. Come on, you were so back when they announced. G.I. Joe like, is there. What is well, it that got uh, you? Got you there, Lon Lopez. It's Lon Lopez's G.I. Joe moment. Yeah. Take four. It wasn't Dennis Quaid as General Hawk. No, but that's a good cat. But who, uh, who, who they got They kicked you? out the old Destro and brought in a new Destro. Who is it, Lon? Tell us. Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. The guy who didn't want to be typecast in sci-fi, so he left Doctor Who after 13 episodes. G.I. Joe's not sci-fi. Yeah, it is. Got it's news action for you. adventure. Then he realized when it was popular that, my God, the way to make sure you have a career for the rest of your life... Do an episode of Heroes! <laughs> ...is to be in genre stuff. Yeah. Sure, who cares about him in the that hoity-toity Elizabeth movie from about a decade ago? Not me! No, you don't. No. Another guy who's gone genre, Tim Roth, once a very well-respected Shakespearean actor, mm-hmm. uh, is a villain in The Incredible Hulk. Not that I'm saying it's a bad thing. He's the Abomination. And this week we got to see a look at the Abomination. And it's an Abomination. Was there more than one picture? Because I only saw one. I didn't follow the link. one picture and then a blow-up. Yeah, I guess they released some images from the toys beforehand or yeah, something. Yeah, so does he essentially, am I right, he sort of looks like uh, like the way the Ultimates have envisioned the Hulk of really it's just his body kind of growing. So it's almost like he looked like to, the Mr. Hyde from yeah, he League looked of to me. Gentlemen. He looked to me like the bad Resident Evil monster. You know what I mean? Like, just some buffed out... And why can't they just go for a scaly fish guy like he is in the book? Well, that's my, that's my whole thing. It's like, you're spending all this money to make the Hulk look awesome right. and look like he looks in the comic. Why not treat the fans to an awesome-looking movie version of what the Abomination mm-hmm. should look like? Why always got to change everything? Really weird movie news. Uh, you know, Watchmen. So did you follow this link, Rick? Yeah, I did. That... They're almost done filming the Watchmen movie. Right. But suddenly... But suddenly... Lawyers on the horizon. 20th Century Fox, who've had well over a year to sort this out, to notice this, went... Sorry, we were away on vacation. And we had the rights to Watchmen. People are really excited about your movie. We'd like a share. It's ours. And, and 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 their claim goes back to like 1988. So, so Fox is suing. It actually line. goes back before Alan Moore wrote The Watchmen. Is it, what I understand. Not The Watchmen. Even though yes, the article I read called it The, the Watchmen. Watchmen. I believe their legal brief said The Watchmen, and I was yeah. like, it's going to get thrown out of court on a technicality. On a movie. <laughs> See, Derek wins. A blow for English teachers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. stupid to me that they have a 20 year old deal. They waited till the movie was almost done, and I, you know what it is? It's because they're really pissed. You know, Derek, you don't deal with enough lawyers. I don't. <laughs> You're a lucky man. You know, Would you like to? No. And is this is like this is like their revenge because they can't release the Batman television series? Yeah. Because Warner claims they own Batman, even though Fox produced the show. Yeah. The uh, Batman. The, what? They the, produce the, the Batman. Batman. No, they produced Batman. The Adam West is just Batman. The Batman is the animated series that you don't like. All right, fine. Yeah. Um, So it's just, I I feel like that's really what this is. It's sort of like some strange counter move because they think they could make money someplace else. But DC's, but Warner Brothers is holding them up. So it's getting this. It's called extortion. I hate that. All right, it's extortion. Fine. What do you care? One, they're going to settle out of court. <laughs> they're going to give them like anyway. $50 b- million. <laughs> no, I buy the DVD. You're going to go see it anyway. You, the consumer, is not. 
I know. affected. It's I, just I uh, know. I just I just you're gonna get to see the movie either way. You know what? It's just that I do hate stupidity. And don't we all? But we all drive, don't we? <laughs> okay. Thank you. The voice of reason. The something? voice of the guy cutting you off in the morning because I'm late. <laughs> we all deal with stupidity. <laughs> okay. So thank you for making me feel better about the whole thing. Right on, brother. I'm bothered by it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is stupidity coming back that we're grateful for. Tell me. The Big Bang Theory coming back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good news. Starting in May. How many episodes? March. How many episodes? I don't know. Michael's nine. Nine, wasn't it? Nine new episodes. Nine new episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Coming in March. Which means... Think how long six have lasted for us. Or eight. The darling of the 2007 season for us, I believe. It's going to be big. I'm so excited. What I'm most excited about there is the implication is if they're going to go and ramp up for nine more episodes, that means there's going to be a second season as well. Well, if the nine episodes are good, we got to tune in. we got to watch. Okay. A nine is like a test. I have faith. No, 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 no. You have faith they have nothing else to up for next pilot season, so might as well go? It's not a test. If Because the eight were the test. If they were not going to renew it, they would not have gone for nine episodes. It'd be easier to drop it at this point. Far easier to drop. And develop a new pilot for its place? They got nothing. They got nothing for the fall. That's why I'm saying that these nine are a test. We do know the Bionic Woman and Journeyman have been canceled. But, Yay! So there'll be no new episodes of those, but there will be new episodes of Heroes. Heroes, but that'll Lost. be next. It'll be the third season. Right, right. Lost. Lost is going to Daily Show and Colbert Report are back with writers next Wednesday. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. Uh, Letterman Bob. and Leno TBD. Uh, well, I, Letterman already has his writers back. Oh, At, sorry. Yeah, Leno. Who cares? It's just been hard to notice. Leno. Who cares? Uh, exactly. Sci-fi is messing with fans over Battlestar Galactica. What? So they've been pushing that back now. They've used this as an excuse to push back the last, <laughs> what everybody knows is the last 10 episodes, yet another year. It'll be out in 2020. Uh, so I think 2010. They're no good to you in the vault, people. They're only good to you if we watch them. So, uh, but we, uh, you caught up with The Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. And we didn't want to go into spoilers because you're, uh, you're the only one I know of at this table that did see it. I've only seen the first two. <laughs> okay. I, it's not that much of a spoiler. I won't. I won't put the context in. But they just. They did some. The first really, really annoying thing this week. Okay. In this episode. We have a. You know when you fight the Terminators, you go through phases, right? There's <laughs> denial, there's, acceptance. There's what? the the first time the Terminator not gets knocked down. And you think maybe he's down, but you only think it for a second or two, and he gets up. Then he gets knocked down in a big, much more massive way, and you think, yeah. This, this is time, time for sure. This time for sure. And no, he pops right back up. And then maybe the third time he's like buried under stuff. There's no way he's coming back from that. Well, this week, during round one, we found out how to disable a Terminator with a switchblade knife and a pair of pliers. And that's all it takes. Come on now. I saw the original movie. That Terminator took a lot of abuse. Apparently, there's a little but quarter-sized thing on his head. But let wow. me explain something. Reese and Sarah just didn't know that in the first episode, in the first movie. I could, I could. Oh, I could spoil. All this good time, there's right been an off switch on his forehead. Yes. pretty darn close. There's a bottle <laughs> cap. There's a bottle cap that you knock off with the switchblade. Then you reach in with the pliers, twist it once, and you get the chip out of his Hang head. Out. And his eyes go dead. Did this information come from someone who lives in the future who would know that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I am if bothered. If they fought enough of them, and I'm bothered. Boy, maybe they uh, yeah, know. I would also you need be some bothered. applesauce and tinfoil. That they, <laughs> exactly. waited, that they waited. Just do it. Do it. Uh, one of my favorite state episodes. Uh, but, I, I was I was so reminded of Lost in Space and the robot's power pack. The robot's gone mad. Reach well, around behind him. Oh, I can't get to what it. What bothers me is they wait five episodes to reveal that there's this. Yeah. Because Sarah's been you know crapping herself, uh, herself on a weekly basis. Here's the thing, though, that I'm – tough to find new pants on the yeah, run, yeah, too. Absolutely. Maybe it's just going to be the 888 model that okay. has this. But my question, um, because I'm, I've watched up to the fourth episode, and this – Shouldn't spoil. It happened in the third episode, but I feel like it's being left. Is you mentioned? You know, there's this after effect of the of, of a high school incident. Oh yeah. Okay, but not to spoil it because Goodson hasn't watched it. Sure. Thank you. 
is does it feel like there's a parallel weird conspiracy going on that has nothing to do with Terminators? Like, just in case they figure out how to wipe out the Terminators, there could still be a storyline going on? You mean like a buddy kind of maybe it'll be a yeah relationship maybe maybe now line. it's like maybe like maybe like there's an X Files thing going on. Well, now John and Cameron will will investigate this <laughs> other conspiracy because I feel like I didn't understand. We've saved we, the world. I w- but let's there's something open else a, going. Let's on. open a detective agency because this has always bothered me. <laughs> well, this has bothered me about the X Files. I mentioned this. It's like if you had an X Files episode where you knew there were supernatural creatures because they fought Satan. Don't you think Satan would have something to say about an alien invasion? And that's the X-Files episode I want to see. I didn't do any of that. (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) And Satan comes and tackles and takes the bounty hunter with his eyes sewn shut. That's what I want to see. Satan throwing down with that. Uh, but and that's I, I felt like I didn't understand what was going on in the third episode with the and girl it's, on the with roof. the girl and it's definitely had repercussions. So I'm like, is there something else going on that has nothing to do with Terminator? Let uh, me tie that into. I've only watched two episodes and, and I'm ready to drop that show. I mean, it it, it ties into a genre I like, but I didn't really make me care about anybody. You know, I I I still like it a lot, and the. The writing is nice on it. The The dialogue is nice on it. Last the, week's episode did something really creepy with the Terminator that I really liked. All right. I'll That's keep watching. Say, is yeah. it, is it, keep it, checking on. It, had, it was just a really cool. Oh. I hate all my homies out there. Try another couple episodes. Well, you can, that Would was you two, stop with that? You, you are can, just so white. You can spoil that. That was two episodes ago. No, but not for oh, him. For my Go ahead. Spoil it. I don't care. I don't it's know. not that big a spoiler. It's on my TiVo. It's going to yeah. get watched. Whether Wh- Which thing? The, the, the shutdown. The shutdown. Yeah, the it once the Terminator it completes its programming, whatever it's programming, it just goes into standby mode. And it was just the creepiest thing. <laughs> it just stands there until something something comes that jeopardizes the status like of his it motion right now. Sensor. And then he, he revs back up again. Hmm. Yeah. But that was getting the key off. It was a creepy acting moment and it caused some for, for some great tension. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is kinda of fun. You yeah, know. that's what I think. They is. are playing with so I, I might go with Michael here that uh, the idea of they learned this about fighting the Terminator, shutting them down, that they are playing a lot more with the potential of the Terminators really being machines run by computers. Right. And so, you know... And I, I think when you've but, got... But a, your point is valid about why didn't they discover all this information they had yeah. in the first episode when they were being chased. Well, you have, you have now... X number. So this of, turned into a very uh, uh, di- uh, we're dissecting Terminator in a way that I really don't think it deserves. But go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, you've got you've got. Hopefully, they think it's going to go for three, four seasons, right? Okay. So you have to develop some depth to it, other than let's oh, open a detective agency. The giant robots coming after us. Let's have a Shakespeare episode. Can't get stopped. Woo! <laughs> they all speak an iambic pentameter. I'm there. Fabulous! Fabulous! The Terminator of the Shrew. The Terminator's turned into a puppet. <laughs> Henry 700. Okay. Okay. Continue, Rick. <laughs> Take that ball and run. You had them already ex- examine some of the ramifications of time travel, right? So they went back further in time so they could invent stuff that would come forward in time and be useful for, to them in our present time. That wasn't in any of the movies. There wasn't anything yeah, like that. that. Was sure. So, I mean, think you... And the alternate Terminator missions have been very intelligent, even right. if they... They're making up things for that. But so it's the, still depth, been- the depth of it's going to take a little while to develop so that they have a Terminator, Terminator universe, so to speak, that they can continue to write stories in. And one would think with all that extreme sort of science fiction concepts, you're going to lose the mainstream audience and whittle yourself down to a nice fanboy. We understand jumping and around in time. Canceled. leaving. Yeah. Then it's canceled. You take it to sci-fi. They say, we're sorry, it's a little too science fiction-y yeah. for us. Hello, Firefly. That was just for you, Joss. So, we uh, want more Mansquito. <laughs> uh, so, that's what we feel about the Terminator, and that's about all we have to say. We are podcasting from Elusive Comics and Games, two seven two five El Camino Real, Suite one hundred and four in Santa Clara, California. Uh, anyway, if you have any questions, comments, commentary, things that you think we should be talking about, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Um, I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet. I'm Michael Goodson. I'm Lon. Rick Brett Snyder signing off. Remember, use your powers only, only for, for good. good. 
And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. You want me to? No. 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 We're taking this on the road. Oh, 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 that's not going in the outtakes. That's not in the outtakes. <laughs> Woo! So, uh, yeah, so... Um, I take it you bought the Family Guy uh, gift set? Or? I did! First chance to wear the t-shirt. I love how he's like a little five-year-old. I wore the shirt! I got the shirt! I got the pajamas! I got the shirt! And there's footy pajamas to go with it. My feet are very warm. Nice. What a nerd. Yeah. I had to, mm-hmm. and so I'm pleased to. This is a quality shirt, man. I'm mm-hmm. waiting. Let's I'm get waiting on you. Let's get on you. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Novel. or I something. mean, to balance out my my intellectual credit, I do have a callback for importance of being earnest on Saturday. So that ah. you know, sort of you know, balance it out. Is that one of those Jim Varney movies? Yes. Yes. Sweet. Adapted to that a would play. have been an awesome. The importance of being earnest, except none of his <laughs> audience, none of his audience would have gotten it. Yeah, but a whole new, a whole new audience would have gone. The respect we would have had. Are you kidding? It's like every other profile done of him had to have been titled that, like uh, in a New York Times <laughs> right, article. Right, right. The importance of being earnest. Jim Varney speaks about the low comedy. <laughs> you know what's funny is, is I've seen a couple of those, like when they show them on like TV or. Cable. I I rented Ernest Goes to Jail once. They're funny. Because it had They're Electro funny. Man. He got superpowers in that, and I wanted yeah. to see. Yeah. And, it, yeah, my girlfriend and I at the time, we just watched it, and we laughed at the whole thing. I said, wow, that was so much better than we thought yeah. it would be. There was that one <laughs> where he fights the troll for, like, Halloween or something. <laughs> or so, like, Ernest, Ernest Scared Ernest Stupid. Christmas. Ernest Scared Stupid. Scared Stupid. Scared that stupid. made yeah. me crack up. <laughs> Holy cats. I know too many Ernest movies. <laughs> The importance of earnest being <laughs> earnest. That's the title of this podcast. I no. was really, I was, I was really sad when he died. Actually, I really think yes, that was. A he guy. was just starting to break out of the earnest thing too. Yeah, you were kind of like yeah. going, "All right, Jim Varney." Yeah, and then the wiener dog and the slinky dog and. Toy Do you Story? think when he got yeah. to heaven, he was all, "Hey, Vern"? <laughs> know what I mean? I guess you do. You're own omniscient. <laughs> I think he was all, "Hey, Jesus." That's gotta hurt. That's got. <laughs> what happens? A little door open and a f- and something fleshy. I, you know, I just don't know. How does that work? Now that I might edit out. I, but okay. Yeah, there was a uh, haunted. I don't remember that. He probably cried it was a, on that. It was a WB series, uh, yeah. which was like. Uh, I don't recall. Like Ghost Whisperer and Medium. He was like ahead of time. Uh, no. Um, the dead talk to him. Talk to him, and he would and have to solve the murder. Oh, it was like something. it was like pushing daisies. Yeah, it was like pushing daisies. He made pies, <laughs> which but, uh, itself won't be coming back. But then the on Lost, I call this pie dead grandmother pie. pie. <laughs> Is that show coming back? Yeah, but not until next season. Right, that was waitress. I didn't see Waitress. Yeah, you do see the commercial for Waitress. I didn't see a commercial for Waitress. Matthew McConaughey was awesome. my husband pie. I think we sent Erin to see Waitress. Did she do a review? Yes, she did. She did. Mm. I sent her to the Chick Flicks. Nice. I never want to hear the phrase, Matthew McConaughey (laughs) was awesome in that. Wait, did you ever see We Are Marshall? No. Matthew McConaughey was awesome in that. It was a football movie. You, how could you tell? No, no, no. It was an inspirational oh, football right, movie. Right. So how could you see what his performance was like through the tears? I was getting a little weepy at the end there. <laughs> oh, but you know what's funny, though? Okay, is through in the audio. There is a scene. I'm going to spoil the end for you, but okay. you don't really care. Oh, there you go. So there's a scene. Na, 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 there's a scene where the movie ends, and they, you know, they play their big game. The big uh-huh. game's over, and they have this happy moment and everything. And right, and it, you know, it's kind of, you know, you feel like it's all wrapped up and, and everything. The, and the ghost of the other football team shows up. No, no, it just feels like you know they've they've exercised the demons. Everything's cool. And I swear to God, there's a scene where the, Matthew Fox walks into the locker room all by himself, uh-huh. like afterwards after it's all done, and he just kind of he's looking around and he sits down on a bench. And he just loses it. He starts going, ah. and then he just starts crying. And I'm just like, 
Is that the only reason they hire Matthew Fox for movies anymore now is because he's the guy who can get them all emotional and cry? Okay, now, the- that's an interesting question, and what pisses me off about it is does that mean that uh, Speed Racer is going to end with Racer X crying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Racer X is like, you're my brother. <laughs> you're my brother. Damn it, Kate. If you recall that episode on the show, on the series, it was, uh, are you my brother? Are you Rex Racer? And he cold cocks him. <laughs> and then somebody says, but you are. But he could never know. But I'm just saying, though, that it's... God, I love that show! Explosive. <laughs> they call her Lassie? <laughs> that wasn't that like Kim Cattrall's show? Yes, it was. It was. She was so hot. <laughs> she allowed her, the stardom, to be in Mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here it's we go. It's like the fact that Kim Cattrall would go all stiff and you can carry under her arm for a while and set her down somewhere. I don't see the flaw in that. No. <laughs> Portable. Better than listen to her talk now. Wait, who is hotter, Kim Cattrall Porkies or Kim Cattrall Sex in the City? Porkies. Porkies. Interesting. Okay. Kim Cattrall Mannequin or Kim Cattrall Sex in the City? Mannequin. Hmm. We don't find old Kim Cattrall sexy, <laughs> do we? No, you didn't say... Is she not sexy? sexy. In right. Sex in the I'm city. sorry. It, it was some uh, some friend of mine on Facebook said, "I have this friend who's a geek. Maybe he should be your friend on Facebook." And then, so like just yesterday, he befriended <laughs> like me and started reading Fanboy Planet. <laughs> What's the, the scene from Animal House? Like you see, yeah. Lamar, <laughs> yes. Jug Dib, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Stratton, Russ Chairman. So damn glad to meet damn you. Damn glad to meet you. How long has it been since Lon's actually paid attention to what we've been saying? What? Has that been 10 minutes, 20 minutes now? Yeah, 15. Yeah, all right. I heard Tiny Titans. Okay. An odd thing to catch your attention. <laughs> I, just, I just like when you talk to him like he's a student in one of your classes. <laughs> <laughs> and he responds like he's a student in one of my classes. No, I heard he's in Okay, you're going to the principal's office. Uh, I heard principal's we have one office. Of those. Yeah, okay. So... Uh, <laughs> Do you don't even, don't even put that in the outtake, man. It's awful. <laughs>